Welcome back to another episode on Tate Flight Podcast. Today's episode, we wanted to put a spotlight on the financial industry and funds, in particular, cover hedge funds. So helping you guys understand what they do, how they work, how they make money, and everything that's been going on in the market for the last 12 to 18 months that we've discussed, understand what the hedge funds have basically been doing, what bets they've been placing, and kind of sort of have a forward-looking projection as to what we think they may do in the near future. So with that, we'll get the music started and then dive into the conversation. Cool, guys, back with another episode. This is episode 167. So we're slowly getting our way to 200. Huge milestone. Um, as always, tradition, checking in. I want to start with Daniel. He's uh, got a smile on his face-ish. Um, how are you feeling, Dan? Go ahead. <laughs> There's no smile on my face, but I'm joking, I had it to a first. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm well, doing good. Can't complain. Grateful for, grateful to to be in the position I'm in right now. Put it that way. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Yeah. I don't want to add to that. It was just, just professionally, <laughs> personally. It makes sense. Right, go, yeah. Olive, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> no, it makes sense. I am good. Can't complain. Um. The craziness of sort of year end has sort of surpassed. Um, now I'm just getting on to 2023, planning my trip away to Bali, which I'm excited about. Um, have, have you announced that? Is that the first time you're announcing it? I think I might have announced it last episode or was maybe not. But if I did it for the listeners, I'm finally going to Bali. It's been a long One time way to coming. Get. One way to get. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. But I'm going to go to Bali. I'm excited, ecstatic. I'm probably going to have to do an episode from there or two. Um, oh, yeah. From there. So. He's doing it on purpose. He wants to get oh, the yeah. background. You're going, to, you're going to see a different background. Um, you might see a different Olu. I might not come back to the UK. Who knows? I might be like, yo, this capitalist world, I'm over it. <laughs> I found myself, my inner peace. The thing is, I wouldn't be surprised if that's your conclusion within the first 10 days. Honestly. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited. It's because you're, 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 you're a very capitalist person. Very. It's because of, you know what they say is the crowd you <laughs> keep, you know, like when you keep crowds of very capitalist people, wait, <laughs> then, you know, this is what happens. You, you get influenced a lot. But out of this group, I think I'm probably the most socialist out of the group. <laughs> so let me pass on to the, the number one capitalist. P, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very well. No, I'm very well. I'm good. Um, I think similar to Daniel, just just very grateful for everything that's going on professionally, um, personally. Um, not much complaints. Um, yeah, not no big events in the last week to report back. So all good, in great spirits and looking forward to today's conversation. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, all good from, from my side as well. Just got back from a great break in Dubai, so it was nice to get some uh, winter sun. Also, with that, I had the chance to finally do a 2022 reflection episode and some initial planning for 2023. And actually, with that, I'd probably give a, a shout-out to the most recent Take Flight Takeaway episode, which was done by Habilo. I think for anyone who's going through a 2022 exercise or 2023 planning, it's really a good ex uh, it's really a good episode to uh, to listen. So make sure 
to the listeners uh, to to check that out. I did have one question for Olu. Olu, you know you announced that you're going to Bali. <laughs> Are you going to announce who you're going with as well, or is that another episode? <laughs> Go on his face before you even start. He squints his eyes and he's checking. He was checking to see what the question was going to be. Go on, go on. So I was reading like my prep notes for this episode and all I heard was my name and I was like, oh, she was going to go on. And <laughs> So it's a solo trip. It's a solo trip. I'm going by myself um, to Bali for all the listeners. Are you, are you going by yourself? Is someone joining you? No one's joining me. It's just a solo trip. Okay, before it starts oh, to wait. sound like it, before it Daniel, starts to sound like Daniel it. did Daniel did ask if he can join. Um, I'm not sure if he can, um, but and I'm not I'm sure. He's, I'm not off. sure he's invited <laughs> as well. So. Oh, <laughs> okay. but no, it's a solo trip. You're always okay. everyone's invited. I'll be in nice Bali. Feel free to relocate, everyone. The other thing that I think is worth uh, the listeners to understand is we had a very special birthday within the Take Flight quartet family uh, and that is the first born son only son actually at the moment for daniel <laughs> who, uh, she, who she wants to with shots at everyone like yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was a very special uh, birthday and a milestone daniel so i'm assuming you probably had the chance to celebrate and of course a uh, big happy birthday and w- wishes to to him and the family thank you thank you yeah it was on it was yeah it was it just gone it was really nice really nice to have family over and just um celebrate him it was really really nice he enjoyed every second of it was laughing smiling throughout didn't cry once not even for the happy birthdays and just really enjoyed himself and tied himself out but i think i was more tired than he was after but yeah really really loved the weekend oh yeah (laughs) definitely Cool. Um, and with that, uh, sort of let's kick off and, and have a conversation and dive into um, hedge funds. So um, I want to just sort of open up and share some, you know, basics, characteristics, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, how do they make money um, before we actually sort of open up into a wider conversation about some of the things that we've we've learned in preparation for this. So basic wise, you know, what is a hedge fund, right? So a hedge fund is a pool of money um, that investors invest into that gives hedge fund managers the access to then use to then make investments. What you'll find is most hedge fund companies are making investments into the public market, so stocks and bonds. And the return from those investments, if all goes well, then get put back into that pool and it's split between then the investors and also the hedge fund managers. So from a term standpoint, what you may see is that the pool of money itself is actually called a limited partnership, so LP. So you might see that abbreviation. Um, and then it's actually managed by sort of general partners known as the GP. So those are actually the hedge, the hedge funds, hedge fund managers. So once this money is then invested into the pool, the GPs then use their experience, skills, investment strategies that we're going to talk about to decide on where those investments and how they want to allocate the capital. So that's what the investors are effectively paying for, right? Those skills and expertise. The main purpose for a hedge fund is very simply, um, you know, it's a very capitalist arena is to maximize returns for their clients whilst minimizing the risk. And risk is something that we're going to touch on because I think it's a very interesting topic when we're talking about hedge funds. So hence the word hedge is talking about protecting against financial losses. So hedge fund companies, for example, may see you know, a seasonal risk um, in the horizon and look to make an investment to offset that particular um, risk. So that's sort of the basics. And to give you a bit more characteristics of sort of what a hedge fund is, because as you're listening to that, you might think, okay, I want to get involved. Right. There is a minimum threshold. There's a minimum threshold to invest in hedge funds and almost 
all of their clients, most of their clients are institutional investors. So this is what is known as pension funds. We've spoken about pension in previous episodes, insurance companies, um, or college endowments. And then you also have what is known as accredited investors. So in the US, to be an accredited investor, you have to be earning sort of around $200,000 um, and have a minimum net worth of a million or with your spouse sort of $300,000. So that's kind of the criteria to sort of get into um, and start investing in hedge funds or even to get a conversation with them. I mentioned earlier that they actually invest in the public market. So anything from stock, bonds, cryptos, they do a, let they do a lot of selling short positions. So making money when the market's going down. Um, they definitely sort of dive into buying distressed securities. They love to be a part of sort of volatility arbitrage. So they're, they're sort of, you know, profile is very much taking, you know, big positions, risky positions, not in all cases, but that's kind of what they're known for. Now, I'm going to go into the numbers, um, you know, huge in terms of how much they, they manage. But what you'll find actually with a lot of hedge fund companies, despite the big numbers, teams are quite small. So you may find it's quite common that you have three to sort of 30 employees per sort of hedge fund. So when they're doing well, lots of profits to split between um, a few people. Now, as you're listening, you may think, I haven't heard of hedge funds, but I've heard of mutual funds. You know, what's the difference? And I think we've touched on mutual funds a little bit in previous conversations. So with mutual funds, they're very much sort of for the public, right? They're marketed heavily for the public and they're very much attracting retail investors. So the average person, you know, um, out there, hedge funds, as we've discussed, you know, have a particular criteria um, and are looking for more institutional investments. The way in which they remunerate is very different. Hedge funds, which I'll come on to, is sort of a, a management fee and splitting the profits with investors. Mutual funds is very much taking a percentage of the size of, of the actual fund. Um, hedge funds are very much more risky compared to mutual funds. So that's kind of sort of the core differences between the two, in case you're one, I've heard one, but, but sort of not the other. So a big part of, of, of this, which is interesting to know, and we'll definitely get into this, is sort of how they make their money, right? So um, most common, what they do is they charge a management fee, and then they share um, a piece of the profits. So what you will find, the common split is sort of 2 to 20. A 2% management fee, regardless of whether they make profits or not. We'll talk a little bit about that. I know Olu's got some thoughts around that. Um, and then sort of a 20% on the profit. So if we take sort of a basic example, ease of mass, let's say us as a take flight podcast group are running a hedge fund um, company and we're managing about say a hundred million um, pounds and you as our listeners have sort of invested a hundred million into a pool of funds. And we start this year with a hundred million and we do it successfully well and we grow that fund to sort of 25%. So by the end of the year, we're at 125 million. Just to actually, you know, start part of our services and fees, we'll take 2%. So we'll take 2 million and split that between the four. And then on the 25 million profit, we'll deduct the 2 million. So then we've got 23 million left to split. We'll take 20%, 4.6. And then the rest is then split with you guys, the listeners, the investors. So that's usually what you'll find with hedge funds. Um, but it actually, it, it can vary. Some of the bigger hedge funds sort of take a bit more of a management um, fee. Uh, maybe due to their track record and 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 returns, um, but usually it's two to twenty percent. So a couple of things on facts and figures, and then talk a little bit about some of these hedge fund companies. So in terms of, um, there's about fifteen thousand hedge fund uh, companies out there. But listen to this: they actually combined manage between four to five, four point five to five trillion in assets. So this gives you a sense of just how big in terms of their managing. Over the last sort of couple of years. 
the average gains have been around 13 to 15%. Um, and that's going to be quite interesting. We, we talk about the returns, obviously, in the, in the last year. Um, and also listen to this statistic. In 2021, the hedge funds were able to pull 44 billion of cash from investors. So we're talking about, you know, astronomical numbers, huge um, players. What are some of the largest hedge fund companies? First one commonly known, I think, you know, some people definitely know Bridgewater Associates, ran by Ray Dalio for a number of decades, who recently stepped down. They, may, they manage 126 um, billion based in the US. Second um, in place is Man Group based in the UK, managing 74 billion. And then you've got Renaissance Technology managing 60 billion, also US based. Most hedge fund companies are based in the US. So if you think back to that sort of profit split charging management fee model, you can start to sort of think about based on these fund sizes, what the earnout and payout starts to look like for some of these guys that are actually running these funds. So some of the, this is actually quite startling. So some of the big earners for hedge funds in the last year. So the first person that tops the list is someone called James Simon, who runs Renaissance Technology. He actually walked away with 3.4 billion as take-home pay, right? So just try to fathom that. So that's your, his, his take-home pay salary. Him and his team managed 60 billion. Um, Izzy Englanda, who manages Millennium Management, uh, came in second place with 3.1 billion. And then you've got Ken Griffin, who's part of Cedardale, sporting 2.5 billion, right? Managing 46 billion. So you can see how the earnouts are quite big given sort of what they're, what they're managing. So astronomical numbers. Um, and I think when we talk about a lot of what's happened in the last 12 to 18 months, I thought it was quite interesting that we actually bring hedge funds to the forefront and have a conversation a little bit about, you know, about them. So guys, with that, I know I went on for quite some time just to sort of break down and share any, maybe before we open up the conversation, any sort of statistics or startling facts that you guys were picking up when you were sort of just preparing for this episode? Um, I wouldn't... Yeah, go on, Daniel. Go on. Yeah. No, go that. You go. No, I was just... I was going to say the a hedge fund, you know, they, they take on a lot of risk. And something that I've been watching recently on Netflix is made off the monster of Wall Street. Um, Bernie Madoff ran a, uh, an investment... <laughs> I laugh, but it's, it's it's quite frightening because he lost billions of people's money. But for anyone, I'm not going to talk about the the Netflix documentary because, of course, it's dramatized. But you know, if you're if you're really unfamiliar with this space, I would recommend you watch it. Just good for your own knowledge um, consumption. Good for not being exposed to such schemes in the future, but also just for general education and to know what this man did. He's quite a renowned um, individual. But when you think about the returns of what these hedge funds you know, get for their investors and how much you need to invest to even be considered to be, you know, a client or a customer of a hedge fund, it's, you know, it's quite huge. A million dollars usually is the, is the minimal put up that you have to do to have some skin in the game. And when you look at like 2022, Brevin Howard, who I think by in a, in a world ranking are down at number like 19 in terms of top well, the 19th biggest hedge fund in the world, they returned, I think, 28% last year, which they jumped up seven places when you look at their ranking globally. And what they do is, you know, it's really good. Um, what, what you know, Howard stepped down in 2019 as CEO and they've continued to grow exponentially, continue to get new customers. And when you look at the, the economic condition and the climate, these hedge funds really do get a good return. You know, they usually take on risky, complex financial instruments such as derivatives to really hedge their risk. Um, if you don't know what derivative is, derivative is, it's a very complex financial instrument 
let me put mm. it that way. And they use that to really hedge their risk, hedge their bets, also to grow and, and increase their margin. But I think what's what's interesting, which I don't want to get ahead of, is how they contribute to the economy. Because many people see them as enemies, like they're making so much money, they're taking billions and billions and billions in remuneration, in compensation, making so much money, and they see it as unfair. But they do have also some some big, big benefits and impact to you know, the public, so to speak. Yeah, and we can come on to that, like their role in the capital market. Um, but maybe just also to hear from Shua and Olu, any sort of you know standout statistics or or insights when you was preparing for this you know episode around hedge funds in general. Yeah, I think um, just two things. Just going back to like hedge fund and for the listeners, especially if this is just your first insight into hedge fund. I liked when I was doing some research the origin of hedge fund and how it was created. When you hear the word hedge, is protect right? And funds is money. So when it was initially created, the thought process for hedge funds was how do you protect your money, protect funds? Now, the way you do that is by managing risk, which I think P's given an amazing explanation to. Uh, I think doing some research or initial research, the data or the thing that people always like to say is hedge funds on average underperform the S&P 500 or the stock market. Yeah. Now, the problem with that information is it's very skewed, like statistically is incorrect in terms of if you're focusing on, instead of just looking at the average, focus on where the majority of the money is in. So like some of the five top ones that you've mentioned, if you focus on Bridgewater's, those, they've outperformed the market. Yeah. Those, those have actually outperformed in most cases the market. And so in most instances, so when you look at average and you take everyone and all the bad, whatever, yes, statistically they haven't. But if you look at where the majority of money has been in, so the top five, 10, they have beaten or outperformed the market. Now, I think one thing we'll discuss is, is a very active um, way of investing, Mm -hmm. right? Because the full process there is you're really trying to understand what's going on in the market. How do you hedge against all the different potential risks that are going to come on. But then also there's a lot of like borrowing and debt. So it's not only just the investors' money. So they will also borrow from banks on top of that, to, which is leverage, right? Which anyone that does any sort of trading and investing, leverage is the riskiest way to, to invest because if you get your predictions wrong, it could be a massive um, potential loss there. But we'll get into some of the other topics that we're going to go into, but those were just the initial stats that I saw when I yeah. started researching. Love it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, nothing really much further to to add. I think you guys have touched upon all the all the key points, but I'm happy to go first in the next section. Cool. So, so I think, I think um, coming back to Daniel's point, um, you know, someone's listening to that and they're thinking huge numbers, astronomical numbers. Um, these guys make a lot of money. Um, I haven't even heard, you know, I didn't think it was even possible to have a salary of 3.4 billion, 2.1 billion. Why are they important for our, you know, public market, public capital markets? What, what are some of the big benefits? Um, because some of the some of the, the risks and the losses we can definitely talk about, but why do they play an important role? Yeah, maybe for that one, I can go 
give 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 my two cents up front. I think also during the research, you've realized that probably before last year, there were a lot of hedge funds. You could probably say a similar trend with VCs as well, where because everyone was making money, everything was going up, it was quite easy to be categorized as a well-performing hedge fund. Um, but then now in, in the last 12 months where the market has really dropped, um, I think everyone's portfolio has dropped apart from some of the largest hedge funds and maybe Olu Okunola's uh, portfolio. Um, but I think everyone's had a really good 2022. And the ones that have had the best, that have been able to return 20, 30% when the overall market has been down significantly. Mm -hmm. I think there you get a great example of why hedge funds are where they are. I think, Pabila, you mentioned earlier about institutional investors, high net worth individuals. These are people that are probably putting their money across multiple asset classes. So to protect yourself against a potential downside, as in what we saw last year, then putting it towards a Bridgewater or Citadel, where they seem to have strategies that work very well when everything else is on fire for everyone else. And I think that is a great example of why the good ones, specifically maybe the top 10, top 15, have been able to stand out in uh, in recent years. Mm. Um, and just to tag on to that point also, I think maybe some people don't necessarily see that final step, right? So we, we've spoken about pensions in the past. Um, pensions are institutional investors, right? They're putting a large amount of this capital that's been invested by employees into these hedge funds, right? So mm. when you come, when you tie it back down to some of these top performing hedge funds, people need to keep in mind that these are some of the, the, the platforms that are actually providing great returns. So when you're seeing your contributions go up and you're seeing your, your pension fund doing well, it's a byproduct of some of these well-performing hedge funds. Yeah, P. And I think it, it, to answer that right is really to understand the benefit of hedge funds, you need to understand who invests into hedge funds. So like you mentioned, it's the, like I think two thirds of hedge funds are held by institutional investors. So like you've mentioned pensions, um, if it's public sector, so public sector um, pensions, corporate employees, um, pensions, universities, sort of endowments, mm -hmm. and like fund, um, foundations and non-profits. Now, the reason you got to think about the benefit for this is, would you want NHS managing your investments? Do they like, would you want mm -hmm. them to open a department to say, I'm going to be in charge of your investing? Would you want the fire brigade, um, fire force or the police force? to? They don't have that skill set within them. So you've got to understand this. You've got millions, trillions of money that is being put into these hedge funds due to for the basis of protecting and growing people's wealth, which they can then use for if it's a foundation or charity, if it's for your future pensions, etc. So when done correctly and when done right, the benefit of it is investing is very complicated. Yeah. So why not get these? institutions this hedge fund to manage it and grow it daniel some i know you mentioned um some thoughts around you know the pros of of hedge funds in the in the in our markets yeah Let, let's not let's yeah let's let's keep that going so in terms of even within europe so when you look at europe the landscape 85 percent of hedge fund assets are managed within the uk um, that's a huge proportion of, of course north america has the biggest number and proportion of the capital and hedge fund companies. Um, but when you look about the impact that they have on the UK economy, 85 within you know UK and Europe, 85% is held within the UK, which provides 40,000 jobs of highly skilled jobs within the UK economy. It contributes to 3.9 billion in tax receipts. And there are 500 firms in total, which have 330, 335 billion 
AUM. AUM stands for Assets Under Management. And, they, you know, of course, they want to provide positive returns for their investors, but they also do a lot of investment in and lending to UK companies at the same time. So that also helps GDP, helps grow the economy, helps create liquidity within the, the stock market and the economy, helps provide transparency as well. So even when they talk, talk about a market share or sort of a stock market size, it's about seven percentage points of GDP. So it, a huge, huge impact in the UK economy, how we attract international investments as well, how we are respected by our G7 peers and also respected from a global landscape. Hedge funds have a huge part to play. Of course, there's always going to be negative press. There could be some negative news associated with hedge funds. But I think they have an important role to play within the UK economy. Many people don't know that when it comes to even the likes of our good friend, Kwesi Kwarteng, yeah. who lasted a few days, <laughs> lasted a few days in office. <laughs> when, when he was going around to seek approval, he's going to, of mm. course, the investment banks, but he's also going to hedge funds. So they have a yeah. huge part to play in terms of government policies, etc., that we would never know or understand that they're in the room yeah. at the same time that these decisions are being made. So, so we, so we, no, no, great, great point to bring that in. So, so I think then we've, we've, we've outlined some great benefits and the role and the importance that they play um, globally. Um, but they've also generally get a bad rap, right? You know, over the years, hedge funds, to what Olu's mentioned in terms of when you put them all together, because there are a number of hedge funds that lose significantly every year, which we'll come on to, it sort of lowers that average. Um, thoughts as to why, you know, they get such a bad rap and also more, more detailed. What's your thoughts around their sort of charging that management fees? Because that's always a topic of conversation. They they charge two percent, sometimes even higher, whether they make money or not. So is is that is that a um does that what you know the number one contributor to them getting a bad bad rap? Your thoughts around that? When you say bad rap, are you talking about specifically management fees or just in terms I, of I think management please management fees definitely comes up as sort of they, they're always making a lot of money, especially the ones where they're you know, in years where funds underperform, they still they still get paid, right? So, yeah. you know, just just in terms of why are they um, getting a bad rap, given how how great they are to to their economy and the that they play. So, I'm not a fan of hedge funds, right? <laughs> okay. And I'll give you the reason why I'm not a fan of even though, because, because, even though because they short, because because they keep they keep short squeezing your oil and gas stocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see, you see, on one even hand, though, on one hand, on yeah. one hand, Ollie recognizes the importance they play with the pensions because obviously, yes. I can imagine some of his capitals in there being managed by somebody's managers. But now yeah, I move mine to to low costing low-cost uh, mutual funds okay, um, right. <laughs> so the reason why is even though i understand the need for them one thing is i'm not sure when we talk about like the performance of the whole market it's very difficult to invest right and it's not like there's a secret book on how to invest and if you follow x y and z it's not like finance where it's like this this is very logical there's some, certain things you cannot control you can't control what the fed does you can't control war in a particular country and because a lot of these hedge funds are taking so much risk if it's through leverage and other derivatives and all these different um, instruments when it goes the wrong direction or when it goes against what they predict you're looking at massive losses i mean like it can be write-off in terms of, and one of the rules when it comes to investment in my mindset, and I'm not 
Warren Buffett or anything like that, but is how long can you stay in the game for, right? And how long can you ensure that you're not making a loss? Um, Warren Buffett has mentioned, if you take most um, hedge fund managers, the majority of them haven't beaten the market over a 10, 20, 30-year time. Now, for most investors, we're not as active in terms of, yes, you could be with a particular hedge fund for a few years, then pull your money out because that philosophy or that strategy doesn't work. But most people are quite lazy when it comes to their investment. They'll keep it in one thing and weather it through all the different economical or social um, 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 environments. And that's not the way to sort of work with hedge funds. I think P's talked about is, but the fee structure is just ridiculous. Like companies such as Vanguard have now, and this they're not paying me. I'm not, we're not getting paid by them. But there's so many low costing um, investment indexes. tools where indexes where they, I think they charge 0.07% on what you invest versus these hedge funds, which are going to take 2%. And then on top of that, your profit, they're going to take whatever 10, 20% on top of that. So for me, those are the two reasons why I'm not a big fan of them uh, per se. And then um, probably last one, which I would mention is just access to it, right? It's the access to it is for the elite, right? You've got to have a certain amount of net worth, a certain amount of liquid cash to be able to invest in it. So even being able to get access to it doesn't, it's not always fair, right? And I think it's also widening the wealth, wealth gap if you want to start talking about that in another episode but yeah that's those are my three points <laughs> I, I, I was just gonna i was just gonna piggyback off that and say i think the reason why okay the management fees can be seen as high um or, or not but i think you almost sometimes would re i think in the hedge fund world you respect someone who's got maybe a higher management fee for the short term because you think well i'm putting this money they're gonna charge me a lot but they're gonna guarantee me returns or you think they would but then of course the competition comes in when you have offer lower you offer a lower management fee and you can show proven track record of good returns where you've outperformed the market. So I think that's where the sort of competition comes in. But also the hedge fund managers also are playing against one another because they want to show that they're the best hedge fund hedge fund manager out there. Bring your capital here, invest with us, and we'll give you the best possible returns. And I think that's something you see that, of course, they're all very knowledgeable. They're very smart. We saw Michael Burry in between 2000 and 2008 managing Sun Capital, which predicted the house crash and the financial crisis, where when he was investing that money on those, <laughs> when he was investing the investor's money, and for a period of time, it was showing negative double and triple digits before it ballooned. His investors were calling him every single morning saying, what are you doing with our money? What are you doing with our money? They were all shouting and screaming at him. They were saying that he's mad. But yeah, but when he returned, when he gave them those good returns, they didn't even want him to leave. Hmm. Um, so it's an interesting, an interesting thing. I think should we, should you pay for a service that you're going to get, irrespective of the wins or losses? I think you should, because also you need to incentivize the employees. They got to keep the overheads. But then when you look at even the returns that they can bring, you know, um, Brevin Howard in last year, 2022, the partners shared 105 million. So when you look, at, so when you look at last year, Brevin Howard, they shared 105 million across their partners. So I think they're about, um, it was shared amongst 17. Um, so about 6 million, 6 million pounds each. Um, so that's their remuneration. You know, and that was after the, um, you know, they had further profits as well. So that's great. And I think it's very easy to say, oh, you know what? 
they get paid six million. They're a partner like that's great. That's too much. I, I don't mind being there. But the question is, can you take on that stress? Have you got that level of intelligence to be know when to put money in the market, when to take it out, what to diversify, what to trade, what risk you want to take on? Um, and it's a high pressure job. It's a high pressure job because you've got a lot of people expecting good returns, and it's not your money. But you see what you mentioned, Daniel. There, right? I think it's really important because that means when selecting a hedge fund or hedge fund manager, you need to truly believe in that person's strategy and philosophy, right? That's the only time you can weather the ups and downs versus I think most, or at least myself and most people investing in hedge funds, they don't really understand what that person's philosophy is and the t like time horizon and all of those elements. And that's why the example you gave when it started to go down, so many people were calling like, give me my money back now. <laughs> give me my money back now. So that's also an element where it's like, you have to trust the philosophy of that um, hedge fund manager. And the, and the hedge fund manager has to be true to themselves and know, even when people say that I want to take my money out, I, I need to trust what I'm doing. I need to really trust. And I think when you build trust amongst, you know, one person, for example, if you're talking about all four of us and say Pabilo had invested in know, I got these good returns. You're bringing your network. That network also invests more. So your, your profits are going to grow exponentially. So you actually want to bring in a network. You want to bring in a group of friends or, you know, associates or business associates to invest so that that pool of profits can grow. Um, even further. No, really, really great takes. Um, you know, love all the insights that we're pulling together to to sort of discuss this um, hedge fund arena. Um, and then just sort of to close out, I think this is pretty cool. Let's assume that each and every one of us was running a hedge fund company. Um, and just looking at how the market's shaped today, what bets would you place? You know, for this year and next year, what, you know, what areas of investment would you would you make? Um, and maybe not necessarily why, but what's your your sense? You know, you've got billions of, of capital at your disposal. You can allocate. You're going to get your 2% management fee anyway, whether you make a profit or not. So Olu's happy, right? Um, but you're going for a 30% um, return on your investment. So what are you looking at? So maybe I can kick this one off because it's very clear to me. Um, I would invest sure. in two vehicles. One is Ahmed Capital Group. I'll be calling. I want my money back. I want my money back. The second, the second vehicle would be a um, a vehicle that I'm setting up this year, where I'd be happy to take on more investors. Got more information to come. Now, if I can't invest in those two extremely lucrative, profitable, long-standing, highly reputable areas, then I think the third area I would probably invest in. Because I'd invest in established markets where there's been a significant decline in 2022. Mm. So very simply thinking S&P 500 in the US, maybe some of the tech stocks as well, the ones that are still, hang, uh, still around. And probably I'd also dabble in some of the more established cryptos that are also still around, thinking specifically Bitcoin and Ethereum. So everything that was deep in red last year, then I'd probably go all in if that was my third and final option. And the first two is already off the table. Interesting because D1 Capital is a hedge fund. They were actually, I think, part of the speculation for um, the, the meme stock, right? So you're basically taking advantage of the big losses from last year. Tech stocks um, were down. So that's that's your strategy you're going with. Interesting. Okay, cool. So the hedge fund companies that tapped out, she was picking up on those investments for moving forward. Uh, Olu, your thoughts? So sure, I think your suggestions are really good. There might be a conflict of interest in the first and second one. That's why they went for the third one. Not because they're not great ideas and opportunities, but because of the conflict of interest. Um, I really like Shua's third point in regards to 
um, equities that have been impacted significantly in 2022. Um, I would focus in on quality tech companies um, because I believe we talk about recessions and saying, oh, we're going to go into a recession, but a lot of the tech companies have already experienced or a recession. So I think the market has probably priced that in on the tech side. That would be my first one. Second thing that I would invest in um, right now for some safety would be um, some bonds. Um, I think historically, 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 you need to have an element of protection. Historically, we haven't seen interest rates this high and returns as high as this on the bond market. So you want to keep a small percentage on the bond side. And then lastly would probably be copying because people think copying is not is a bad thing right <laughs> i think in education you're told copying is a bad thing but i'll copy warren buffett's investments i'll be like a day after him in terms of value investing i'll still invest in oil and gas um he's got That's a great. portfolio he's got he's got, warren buffett owns oil and gas stocks as well um and value companies right especially any ones that have been corrected at the right price. So those are the three things. Yeah. Olu, just quickly on that allocation. So I'm an investor into your hedge fund. I want, okay, I'm so, investing with you. What's the allocation? So it'll be 10% on the bonds side. Okay. Okay. Um, you're looking at probably 40, 50% on the um, overly corrected um, equity. So the mainly tech side. So the Amazons, the Apples that have dropped 30, 50%. Um, and then the rest, the 40, 50% would be on value company, um, which Warren Buffett already invests in. Okay. So picking up on, t- picking up on tech stocks that were down last year, uh, oil and gas, because you're, you're firm. Not oil and gas oil. value. Don't call it just oh, oil, okay. and gas, sorry, sorry. oil and gas, not oil and gas. They're value, value companies. Okay. So value companies, which can consist of oil and gas, which the, you guys keep laughing. I love the correction. You guys keep laughing. My oil and gas stocks, I made a hundred percent return and I sold yeah, that's important. That's important. That's something to celebrate. If you're taking chips off the oh, table and 100%. also fixed income. Quick side, just on myself, just, just a correction. I mentioned D1 Capital. So these are two examples, I think. Um, it was actually Melvin Capital that actually temporarily closed up last year because they were part of the game GameStop speculation. So this is like um, examples of where things go completely left, right? So I think, Ollie, you mentioned this, right? Hedge fund companies can actually give investors monies back and actually close down because they're basically in the red. Um, and then actually have to start again. So um, just one last point. Yeah. My hedge fund will not deal in any leverage. Interesting. And that's interesting you said that because I got it mixed up. D1 Capital Partners mm. actually borrowed uh, 2 million last year and went to invest in companies where valuation had then changed. Mm. Right. And therefore Tyler changed and they were basically also in a position where they had to stop. So it's it's um basically they basically got caught swimming out naked. <laughs> they basically got caught swimming out naked, right? So Correct. um good, okay, cool. No uh, leverage, guys, guys. You sound like uh Shua Olu, you need to think about starting a hedge fund this year. Um you can find me on Instagram, stuff. Olu underscore Okanola. <laughs> slide in my DM if you've got any funds. I'm more than happy to put your capital to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you see, that's the whole not regulated way of marketing. Uh Daniel, oh, yeah, and just um, I know I just one last thing. I know P I know P mentioned this before. We're not financial advisors. Please, it's just four random people talking about investment. Please seek financial advice from an expert before taking on any investment. 
just want to protect I've us. I've got a correction there. We're not four random guys. We're four accredited. Exactly. Investors. <laughs> Go on. Olu, uh, Daniel, sorry. That was Kabilo speaking last. <laughs> Go on, Dan. So DenGen Associates would be looking at the NASDAQ 100 to look at some underperformance in tech stocks to really capitalize on that. We'll also look at putting a small allocation in the bond market for long-term security. And then we'll also diversify into the digital asset space, looking specifically mm-hmm. at crypto, so BTC and ETH. And then when we look about hedging at risk, we'll look to cover that with some short calls and some puts to with some naked options as well, some CSOs. And to look also the long-term, when we look at that, we'll do some long calls and long puts just to make sure that we're covered <laughs> for any short-term exposure. I'll also divulge slightly in the commodity space, given the tensions that we've seen in the last 13 months or so, um, I would think about utilizing some of the some some of the companies within that sector. Yes, I would I would like to, you know, use a, a number of put options because I don't want the obligation to, to sell. But then of course you need to have some call options as well to diversify and to cover that that risk in the short term when you look at the risk, because when you look at the 3D term structure on the volatilities and derivatives specifically, you've got to be careful of the skew and also the implied volatility in a short three to six month period, as well as the, the further out on the um, on the tenants, the 12 months to 18 months. So yeah, and that would give me a healthy return. If all allocated correctly, I'll be looking at outperforming the market by about 15%. So I look for returns of a comfortable 25 plus region. Yeah. Listen, I've known you for 10, 15 years. I've never heard you rap the game the way you just rapped it now. Beautiful. I was ready to, I was ready, I was ready to invest. I was ready to invest. You have to start your hedge fund. You have to start your hedge fund. But I think the thing I is, like... I, have a, I, have a, I have a feeling though, is if we ask Daniel to repeat exactly what he just said now, he'll say <laughs> something <laughs> different. <laughs> run it, run it, run it. Let's try it, let's try it. Let's not go 100. If we had enough time, if we had enough time, I would love to. But maybe so funny, yeah. <laughs> Daniel sounded so on point, yeah. And it's because so many things he said went over my head. I'm not even yeah. sure if it made sense, but it just went over my head. It's like, this sounded so, take my money. When Daniel, I don't see that 15, 20% you can, you can value at Daniel's door, like, send, what happened? Yeah, write and send it in notes. Um, and I think it's very important. Just, to just, 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 make, not, just, just make, not just make sure you don't. It's not financial advice. Just, Please, no one go listen to Made of Wolf, um, the Monster and Wall Street. And I did not get that from there. <laughs> That's probably where you got it from. <laughs> no, no, I did. No, no, no. But yeah. No, I love that it. Absolutely love it. I, 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 only think, I only see think you guys have got a career in, in, in hedge funds um, moving forward. Something to think about. Just myself, um, I'm going to pick up where commodities left off from last year. They performed very well. Um, as a class, so I would just sort of keep that, and, and investors would be would love to put more money back into that for it to compound. Um, I would also go fixed income as well. That worked really well for Citadel. Um, this is why I was I was um, champion Olu's point. But actually, I would also be interested to go into sort of cybersecurity, cloud computing, electric vehicles, sort of that kind of speculative, but also where the demand is growing um space um of investments so i'm kind of balancing it a little bit in the sense of you've got the fixed income you've got some things that you can kind of rely on commodities but also looking at you know where we can get some maybe superior returns um so that would be the makeup of my hedge fund um running it 2023 so i think what we can actually do is revisit some of these bets at the end of the year because obviously we've been talking about basically class asset classes Olu, and then we'll close. Nah, it was, I was just going to ask you that fixed income. Is that any properties as well? Is it, are you buying? 
no, no. it's no real estate. It's, it's not real no estate. Real estate. It's, it's, okay. it's, <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to check. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and with that, um, I'll pass on to Daniel. I was just going to lastly say that um, even with mine, I'll be super bullish on AI. So I don't know if any of you have used ChatGPT. That would be a a huge, huge play as well. Um, Daniel, I'm planning to do my takeaway episodes from there. I'm just going to get it to do my takeaway episode, write a script, and I'm just going to read it. Have you created created a login? Have you got a login? I need to do it. I need to do it. Oh, yeah, I did. It's it's great. It's great. That's where I get all my information from now. That's how I did this episode. No, I'm joking. Um, But no, for all the listeners who are stuck with us all the way to the end, we hope you found this uh, episode actually quite entertaining, but also at the same time, very informative and educational. If you didn't know what a hedge fund is, hopefully you know hopefully you know what it is now and as i mentioned earlier in the episode highly recommend watching uh, made off the monster on wall street on netflix if you have a moment it's a four-part documentary series that i'm sure will get, um, open your eyes into the world of finance but for now we hope you've had a great day great week if you have any feedback for us please find us on instagram at take flight podcast and we'll be happy to converse and engage with you on there you stay safe and we'll catch you next week with a new episode of the take flight podcast until then stay safe and god bless take off